everybody. Welcome back to Honey, I'm home. I'm home. <laughs> we'll get it eventually. <laughs> so, Carolyn, you set up today's guest, and I have not the vaguest idea of what he does. Oh, I love that. That's even more fun. <laughs> yeah, so I am actually, we are going to be speaking with a former coworker of mine named Kyle. So I'm actually very familiar with what he does because I used to work very closely with him. So I'm actually really curious to see what Brittany thinks he's going to talk about. Whenever I say HVAC technical trainer, what comes to mind? Caroline. <laughs> I know. Well, what whatever, do you think that means? Whatever you're doing is extremely loud. <laughs> is it? Yes, it sounds like you're ripping off packaging tape. That's who I am. <laughs> um, okay, so I think in H... Are you saying HVAC? Yeah. Oh, like air conditioners and stuff. And stuff, yeah. Do you know what HVAC means? Like, what do the letters stand for? No. All right, then. <laughs> Um, I'm sure that's something that we're going to learn from Kyle. You said he's an HVAC. Technical trainer. Okay. So I guess um, I think he's going to tell us that he teaches people how to maintain, not like owners, but like HVAC specialists. He teaches them how to do their jobs. That's my okay. guess. That's a good guess, actually. Okay, great. <laughs> All right, well, let's tap Kyle in and see what he's got to say. Okie doke. Hi there. Hello. I think we're still waiting for Kyle. Okie dokie. Artichokey. That has been my favorite phrase today. Actually, all week. Do you by any chance live with a nine-year-old? She doesn't say that, but yes. <laughs> uh, today we did a trunk or treat at work and the costumes were so cool <laughs> because we were supposed to be child friendly, right? Because we work with children and a trunk or treat is for children. And yeah. like <laughs> the investigations unit didn't get the memo, I guess. Oh, I guess. Hey, Kyle. Oh, thanks, Kyle. Kyle. Yeah, no, I'm a figment of y'all's imagination. Oh, good. <laughs> I knew I was driving myself crazy today. <laughs> well, for me, that's a short trip, so. <laughs> well, I, I was, I've been doing a lot of design work today, and I get to the point where all of a sudden it stops being like, oh, is this functional? And just like, just the madness. Like, I, I feel like I just created some stuff that probably could have come out of like Alice in Wonderland or something. So I'm probably going to look at it tomorrow with like a fresh eye and be like, mm, none of this is usable. God, I know that feeling. I've been doing that with training decks. Oh, yeah. That's, well, that's a great uh, segue into why we're all here today. Uh, awesome. Kyle, Kyle, you haven't met Brittany. I was telling Brittany that you and I used to work pretty closely together. So I'm familiar with what you do. But Brittany is not, and neither are any of our listeners. Awesome. Yeah. So, so tell us what you do. <laughs> Why don't you start with your title? Well, the, the 
long, but it, it in the end is simplified. I am a I am a senior technical trainer. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome so, everybody. So everyone listening, we're jumping right into Kyle's title. Kyle is a former co-worker of Caroline. Former co-worker, that's right. Great. And I have no clue really what the title he gave means. So I am very excited for this <laughs> lesson today. I'd just like to point out that he is a senior at it. Like whatever it is, you know, it's good. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Well, so tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day life looks like as a senior technical trainer. Well, I do a lot of research as of late and because equipment is getting so complicated now because the Department of Energy is, is getting into things, I have to do and build training decks that everyone can learn from. Learning styles, audible, visual, and kinesthetic is kind of tough to do in this day and age. But that's my day-to-day is building training programs. Cool. That's awesome. And so when it comes to building them out, um, who, who's your target audience for these training decks? And also when you say training decks, um, I, I know what you mean, but why don't you clarify for. Training decks are basically PowerPoints, which I'm trying to get away from, but um, it's going to have to be a transition. Um, That's hard. You have, PowerPoint's are yeah, useful. It, it, but there's a younger generation and an older generation. Obviously, I'm from the older generation who's used to that, but the younger generation is more hands-on. So that's um. So what that's do you what do I, with the younger generation that's more hands-on? If you're not in the actual place with them, what are you able to do? Well, I've changed my thought pattern on a few things, and I do more, well, because of the world and the state it's in right now, everything's virtual for the most part, Mm -hmm. and I do a lot of teardown videos. Right now, I have four different cameras with a switchboard and someone to help me, or two people to help me operate it, and we go through um, HVAC units and show the hands-on part and actually you know if it's a control board it lights up i walk through the codes um, tell them what the code is and then explain what could happen and then how to drive it to resolution so hold on you're using some terms that i feel like might be most yeah how what's a teardown knowledge but or well before that what's hvac what's hvac Heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. Okay, great. I was close. You were. <laughs> you were. Yeah, and- Especially in our area where we're big into air conditioners. We don't really think about heaters as much here. No, and that's that's really crazy because some of the heating season has already started a month and a half ago for Canada. And down here, I'm still running air conditioned tonight. <laughs> My AC cannot quite figure out what to do because it is, we're in that like weird wonky time where it, it's sometimes hot and sometimes cold. It's very it, confused it, right now. It is. And that's, um, that's kind of typical, but I have some field trial equipment from the place I work and I still have to 
report into the controls people how it reacts to different situations. It's, it's kind of neat working with all the people and telling them what it will and won't do. <laughs> that is always fun. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, so you have these cameras positioned while you're doing a teardown. And, like, to me, that sounds like you're taking apart an HVAC machine. Yes and no. You know, we don't tear it down to the bare bones and put it back up together. Okay. But what we will, will do is we'll take a fan motor off and show them the particulars about the fan motor, how the blades are angled, what pitch they are, or, or you know, how much they're turned. And then we'll just kind of go through the components of the system and tell them what that component does, what some of the issues it can run into if it's not installed correctly, and then how to resolve that. So there's not many components. Well, I take that back. There's a lot of different components on the air condition, but since I started back, believe it or not, 38 years ago, the electronic circuit boards have taken place of all the relays and all the clunky stuff that was in there. So, you know, teardowns sound like you're going to break a unit down and put it back together, but it's more of a term of saying we're going to take it part by part and teach you what each part does. Cool. And is this for purposes of like designing different machines in the future or for like installing and repairing? It is for designing um, machinery for the future because I take a lot of feedback from cool. the tar target audience. So you have distributors that have technical folks that go out and help people. And then you have the contractors who actually come to your house and take care of it. So my two target audiences are um, the technical representatives and they are some of them are really, really smart in their field. Some of them have engineering degrees and then you have technical guys who are out in the field. Some of them are journeymen, just learning, just getting started. So that bridge between the both and making sure they understand is a lot of what I do. Cool. Cause yeah, we all suffer without y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. We, we were considered essential business. Yes. <laughs> um, I'd like to point out something that's kind of interesting that Kyle just said. Um, he used the word target audience a couple of times. Believe it or not, Kyle is actually in marketing. No way. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yes. this just shows like how broad of an industry it is. Cool. Okay. And the question we get asked a lot is why is technical training and marketing? Um, because a lot of programs have to be put in place in order to successfully perform training and marketing is used to running programs. So it just makes sense to have a technical person with a marketing person who knows how to run programs. So we can kind of blend or hybrid those two roles together to reach the audience, our target audience again of what we're trying to get to today. I can't emphasize enough how much the older generation and the new generation we're sitting right in the middle of a big transition. And in 2023, there's going to be, different regional reg, uh, regulations as far as the efficiency of the units. And then in 2025, we're actually going to be changing refrigerants again. Um, and that's going to be huge coming up. So the next five or six years is going to be 
very different in the HVAC industry. What's the reason for all these changes? Well, I start with the refrigerant change. So back in 2010, we moved from a refrigerant called R22, which was very easy to work with. Refrigerant, that was, that's 410A. That's the name of the refrigerant. Or in, in, it's a type of blended refrigerant. Um, but it still contributes to the greenhouse effect of the atmosphere. The refrigerants that we want to go to now, and I say we, that would be DOE, um, has less effect on the greenhouse. So in other words, the refrigerant R22 that was used in the past ate up the ozone. That's mm. not good. Not good at That's all. not good. The refrigerant 410A doesn't eat up the ozone, but it causes more of a greenhouse effect. So by 2025, all manufacturers have been tasked to get rid of that and go to a different style of refrigerant. Cool. I'm, I'm here for that. You know, I don't want the world to end. Those movies terrify me. <laughs> me and you both. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So that's, you're kind of like saving the world. We're doing our part because <laughs> it's, like I say, I go, I go a long way back. And if you have a refrigerator that's 20 plus years old, you've got a refrigerant in it that's named R12. And um, a big manufacturer made that. That refrigerant really ate the ozone up. It really did. And that's from moving to, to where we are today. Um, some people can take that change and understand the technical differences in it. Some people actually retire and move on to different things because they don't want to accept that change and they don't want to learn how to deal with that change. Wow. Is this what you saw yourself getting into when you were little? Is this your, what you had thought you were going to be when you grew up? Yeah. What did you want to be when you grew up? Little bitty Kyle. <laughs> At first, I wanted to be a truck driver. But that's just, you know, big trucks going down the highway honking the horn. But in all <laughs> actuality, in eighth grade, I took, I was still in middle school class, which they're no longer around. And that's kind of a travesty to me. But I took shop class, and half of the year was woodworking, and then half of the year was small engines. So we were supposed to learn and be able to name the parts of a lawnmower engine. And back then, you, all you had was basically push mowers. And you had two different kinds of motors, two different name brands of motors, I should say. And you had six, six months to learn, and you had to name every individual part in both styles of motors and he gave you six months to do it and where i learned where i had a mechanical ability is within three weeks i was able to do it and he gave everybody else six months that's when the light bulb went off for me like hey i want to work with my hands now that's having awesome. having said that i don't like the smell of gasoline so <laughs> In the 11th grade, you were able to go out to a vocational center where this school district is, and I took heating and refrigeration. And the instructor's going over this stuff, and he's talking, and, you know, I'm 16 years old. I, you understand what that age is. You, you can squirrel real easy in a lot of things. 
Wait, my instructor. Hold on. Hold on. Ex- when he says squirrel, he means like the movie Up, where it's just like you're talking in squirrel. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's a Kyleism. The Kyle, yeah, that is a true thing. That's but Kyle, it, it's fine. Go on. <laughs> it, it it was the instructor was sitting there, and he explained the duration process, and it came to me as easily as one, two, three. I was like, I get that. So I started really leaning in on that really hard. And for my 11th and 12th grade year, I, um, I got out of there with a 98.6 average. I was outstanding student of the wow. year, two years in a row. Then I went to a technical college and I got out with a 3.2 GPR. And, mm-hmm. But back then you had to take psychologies, algebra, and all this other stuff. And I, I was terrible at math, but I kicked psychology's butt. I was really good at that. So I, I don't know how or why, but from that point, you know, and all truly, if we go back when I was 16 years old, I put my first compressor in and it was in my father's car and everything worked. And when that happened, I was hooked. That was it. You are so lucky to have found this career that you you must enjoy because you're still there. You're still sounding um, passionate about it. You're so lucky to have found it so early and excelled as much as you have. And it's, oh, it's interesting too, that you also really liked psychology because as a, an instructor or a teacher, that's a huge part of it. It, it has to be, you have to be able to read your audience. Um, you have to be able to stand up there and realize you've got some people in a class that are, you know, just top level, top shelf technician. And then you got some guys who are just getting into the business and being an installer. And again, bridging that gap. And you have to be able to read your audience, body languages, facial expressions, looking at the phone. You have to be able to take all that into account while you're spitting out all this technical information to adjust on the fly to make sure you give the audience what they really want. So psychology, although back then I didn't know how much help it was going to be to me, it was it, it was huge in being a success, successful instructor later on in life. Kind of merging all your interests together. Exactly. How have you dealt with that with COVID kind of putting everything virtually? I mean, a lot of people keep their cameras off. Have you tried to ask them to keep them on? Um, yeah, for the most part, I do ask them to to keep them on, but I understand that a lot of people are multitasking right now because (laughs) working from home, there's a lot of people who ask to do a lot more. There's less distractions and things of that nature. But when I get into a, a true class, what I do is I pre-record it. I talk to my audience beforehand and say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to see this pre-recording. I want you to look at it. And then at the end, I want you to ask the questions and truly at the end, we still video and and record the questions and the question and answer period is completely awesome because it leads into so many great conversations about, you know, well, I've seen this and I've seen that. And what they don't realize they're doing is they in turn now have become the instructor. I'm just sitting back watching going, yes, it worked. I love it. That's genius. And the people that you're you're instructing are instructors also, right? 
That is correct. It is a pretty much you training people how to train. And you're talking to a guy who, when I worked for a particular school district, I was, I don't know if the word shy is the correct word, but when there was 30, yeah, I know. I, I got you. I did not really want to walk into a classroom with 25 kids sitting down because I didn't want them watching me. I really hated that. It, but now I'll elbow you out the way to get up on stage to talk to a, to a 200 person crowd. And it's just, I, I'm very, my whole goal in the HVAC industry is to leave it better than I found it. That's awesome. a great goal. Yeah. And I've seen firsthand that you're definitely, you're doing that. I'm giving it a shot if nothing else. <laughs> It's a very selfless goal, and it's not one that you always see with people. Um, and it's not bad to not have a selfless goal. I mean, we talked with um, another guest on our third episode who said, you know, you need to make time for yourself, and it's okay to be selfish sometimes. But I love just the the opposite side of that and how it can also be just as important. Exactly. Like a nice balance. All right. So you mentioned that you worked for a school district. So before you started working for your current employer, you worked for the school district for several years. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I worked for the school district for 18 years. Prior to that, when I got out of Midlands Tech, sorry, I um, <laughs> I actually got a job that was right there in that particular town. And then I actually got a job in my hometown. And when I was 22, I believe, I was actually promoted to the service manager of that. Well, that company um, got sold out and went by the wayside. And that's when I went to work for the school district. The school district taught me how to become a mechanic. Um, and and let, let me explain that to you. When you become a maintenance man, and maintenance men are frowned upon because a lot of people don't think they know what they're doing. I am the exact opposite of that opinion because when I was a maintenance man, not only did I work on HVAC equipment, I had to install doors. I had to work on AV equipment. Uh, I had to work on, on kitchen equipment. I mean, you, there was you, you couldn't walk in and say, that's not my job. I don't work on that. You had to walk in and say, I might not know that, but I, I, I'll get it and I'll learn it and I'll do it. So I could walk in and work on a kitchen equipment, turn around and go work on an 80 ton chiller. And my next work order may be putting in a pencil sharpener. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> it, 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 it was never a dull moment. I can tell you that. <laughs> It sounds like you have to kind of have some humility with that too. not think you're too good for any job. Humility is a great big point. Um, I can't stress that enough. I come from a family who's very modest um, sharecroppers. And so I, 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 every time I do a class, I always, I always pace, I always get nervous, believe it or not as many as I've done and I've done hundreds of them. Always stay, stay humble, stay calm, and stay honest. And if you can, 
three things while you're trying to talk to a class and, and teach a class, there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't know, but I will find out. That gets you more respect in a class than trying to come up with an answer and snow them over. The minute they smell that you have not told them the truth or you have tried to dance around it, you've lost that class. Mm. All right. What else do we normally ask about? I'm enjoying listening to you talk. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> oh, I could go on for days. Trust me. It's uh... <laughs> Well, feel free. Keep going. Um, I know that at your current employer, not necessarily with the job you're doing right this second, but in the past, you have done a fair amount of traveling over the years. <laughs> I, I appreciate you putting it in those terms. That is very <laughs> nice. Um, I, I put it to y'all this way. Um, and again, in 2010, the refrigeration change came about. And I counted my hours, I counted my time at home in hours, not days. I had time enough to do my laundry, pet the dog, get a drink of water. And I was basically back on a plane and it, it was, it was brutal. Um, but the thing of it is, it was also kind of a adrenaline rush because you knew where you were going. The people were looking forward to seeing you And, and generally it's not how much, you know, it's how far you travel to give the class. I can go up there and say a light bulb's white after traveling 1,200 miles. And then like, oh, yeah, that's great. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> but if, if I went two miles and did that, they'd be like, well, you know, we know that already. Can you tell us something we don't know? So <laughs> the psyche of that is very strange. But, yeah, I wish I had saved all my boarding passes. Um, for my son to see, I, I kick myself all the time for that. But yeah, when you lose track of where you're, where you are at and you have to get, get up in the middle of the night in a panic attack and you look at the back of the front of the door and you go, Oh, I am here. Okay. Whew, thank God I'm in the right place. <laughs> you know, you traveled a lot, but on the flip side of that coin, it's opened me up both intellectually and as a person growing up to experience different cultures, different ideas, different ways of doing things. Um, it, it's amazing now what I can look at with the open mind and go, I understand where you're coming from. I, I get that. And all that traveling did that, but it, it was brutal for quite some time. My famous catchphrase was life out of the backpack. And I lived out of a backpack for many years. Wow. It's just stressful listening to it, isn't it? Yeah, that work-life balance sounds horrible. How would you how would you say that's changed or has it changed over the years? Right now it, it, it has changed. So my particular role that I'm performing right now, I'm much like the dean of a university. So okay. I I I look at what content's needed. I schedule it to be built. And if I'm not building it, I make sure the particular person is going to build it or the particular people is going to build it. And then I'll build a team to make sure everything's right. So I don't travel near as much as what I used to. Um, 
we have some people right now who are very eager to do that. And the sad part is, is I've cautioned that particular person to pace yourself because I'm telling you, it's an adrenaline rush because you built a good reputation in 2014. Um, a magazine HVAC news had me nominated as one of the top trainers in North America. And that, in itself is just an adrenaline rush that's like a marathon runner when they get in that, you know, 24th or 25th mile, that adrenaline kicks in. And when you go to a place and you look and you see everybody is eager to hear what you say, that's addictive. And that's for a while, really cool. you know, for a while, that was my thing. I just, it, I, I don't want to say rock. Or is that, I don't want to use that term. That's what I was just thinking, though. You were basically <laughs> an HVAC celebrity. Right. That's what it sounds at, like. At, at one point you in time. You kind of had, like, that rock, style, rock star lifestyle where you were traveling around, staying in a different, basically on tour. It was nice to have someone else's credit card, spend their money, and not have to worry about it. That's true. That is the best. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I can't fight you there. <laughs> <laughs> And I know that it was obviously a, a really stressful time and you didn't get enough time with your family, but it's so cool that you've been able to see just about everywhere in the continental United States. I've been to 46 states, 46 yeah. states, six different providences in Canada and two towns in Mexico. And Nova Scotia was my favorite part of Canada, Prince Charles Island to be exact, because all the Anna Green Gables gift shops and restaurants and things of that nature, that was world famous. And the ladies would come out dressed in early 1900 costumes, feed you candy and all this stuff. It's, it was a very, again, I, I am from the South and live on a dirt road. And when you are exposed to all this stuff, it opens your mind to so many different things and ideals. And it's, you know, being able to take that and relay that to my child has been priceless. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm super jealous about hearing about the Anne of Green Gables thing. That was a minor obsession of mine for sixth grade through eighth grade. Yeah, it was. I, you know, I didn't even realize it. I look up and go, you know, my son's mom loves this. Maybe I should take a picture. And send it to her. That was a mistake, by the way. <laughs> that, didn't, <laughs> that didn't go over too good. Was so she jealous? Or? <laughs> yeah, just slightly. And <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Because we don't want to use bad words on this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's leave those where they are. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. Okay. Let's take a brief break and then come back and talk about kind of the basic on paper qualities you need to have for this job um people that you think would be a good match for it and maybe some fun stories more than you've shared oh, oh be careful stories. <laughs> be careful <laughs> careful what you ask for you might have to extend this another hour <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds good so um we'll do that and come back in just a few minutes all right okay. welcome back well, thank you. All right. So a few seconds in listener time. We're just a couple of minutes on our time and we're <laughs> back and we're ready to do part two. All right. Um, so 
one thing that, you know, people are probably interested in hearing about is maybe some of the basic qualifications to get started in a career in HVAC and what does earning potential look like? Obviously that's a pretty wide difference depending on what direction you go, but just what could someone expect if they went into this industry? Well, as far as the qualifications go, you need to be able to understand basic refrigeration, basic electricity, but you also have carpentry. And that's kind of strange to a lot of people, but with installations and all that you do, you kind of have to be a jack of all trades and you almost have to be a master of all them too, because of what all you're, you're faced with every day and putting these things in, it's not just going out, putting in the air condition and it works and takes off. You have to understand construction types, where you're going to put the units, how you can run the refrigeration lines and things of that nature. So there's a lot that goes into it. And the and tech school too, there are so many different types of houses that have been built at so many different intervals over the course of history. You know, like my house is 50 years old. So my unit and my system is probably very different than a house that's been built today. You're absolutely correct. And the insulation and the building materials that goes into a house makes a huge difference. R value is basically, you know, the higher the R value, the less the heat transfer is going to be between your walls and the outside. And you have to take this all in account whenever you size units. So you have to have a great aptitude to be able to, I put it to you this way. One of the best teachers I ever had for a company in my hometown. And one of the things he taught me right off the bat, he said, the last thing you look at is the air condition. The first thing you look at is the situation that you're in. You're trying to change mother nature. Who are your enemies? And that's, and that's how you have to approach a house. You know, a lot of people just think you put it in, you cut it on, it cools off. There you go. But you have have to look at east, west, north, south, and what's facing what. And I'll give you an example. Um, My bedroom faces, or the the main wall, is on the west side. So what I did is I planted a a tree. And believe it or not, this all comes into play. This is actual (laughs) stuff that comes into play that sheds in the winter. So it lets the heat come through from the sun and warm it up, but shades it in the summer. That's so so you have to take your blinders off and look at everything. And the last thing you look at is, okay, I'm going to put this AC in. That's a hard point to drive across to some people because all they look at is just a machine. It's not just a machine. You're trying to beat mother nature. She is a worthy opponent. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's been playing this game a little bit longer than humans have. Exactly. Exactly. So I got the opportunity to go into like a an old Victorian house. And the way that it was designed, the man was trying his best to make me understand, but I'm only so capable. <laughs> um, he was trying to tell me about how the the home was designed so that the airflow would kind of keep it, w- it would work so that you wouldn't necessarily need an air conditioner to stay at a comfortable 
temperature. And he was talking to me about these boxes built around the windows that would work with the curtains to kind of trap the heat at night that you gain during the day. Do you like, have you looked into any of that or? Primitive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah. The town in which I come from is one of the oldest inland cities in the United States. And a lot of those homes are built exactly that way. And not only that, because of the historical society, you can't change a lot of the things that are in there and you can't change structure wise. So you have to adapt to what's there. And a perfect example of that is 12 foot ceilings. Most of these houses, 12 foot ceilings. Well, the natural law is heat rises. So it's going to be nice and toasty up at the top of the room, but we're sitting on the couch. That does us no good. So (laughs) ceiling fans to push that heat down and keep it circulated is a great way to take. And, you know, you can't change the facade of a building or anything of that nature. So you have to get really creative in how you install these units in order to make them work. And some of these houses I've been in, they had old boilers, and I don't laugh the way I say that. I, it, just, it just comes out that way. But I walk in some of these basements and some of the coal chutes that come. I can't say coal either. They're still <laughs> there. You could see the black on the wall from the coil coal that was there. And you're standing there looking at a machine that's built in modern day and a house that was built in a time in which Nobody ever knew all this was going to happen. And you're trying to adapt all of that together, put all this stuff in a perfect soup bowl and make a great soup with it. And it it takes a lot of effort to do that. So you mentioned that I just happened to come from a town that has a ton of that. And I enjoyed working in those houses. It was a neat opportunity and challenge to get around those things. Like a fun puzzle, like a really complicated puzzle. If it's it's not if you just use basic common theories and common sense. That that's what I try to teach my students. Don't overcomplicate things. It's you know people want warm air and cool air. You just have to deliver it to them in the particular circumstance they're in. That's your job. You make it sound so simple, but I know <laughs> from what you've been describing, you kind of have to be a genius in that particular subject. Yeah, you have to understand how electricity works and like refrigeration and all of these other complex um, systems. And it takes time. You don't, you don't learn it overnight. And when I hear someone say, I've been in the business for 30 years, I don't always admire that for a lack of way because you can be doing something for 30 years and be doing it wrong unless you're open-minded. I cannot stress how much open-mindedness means to the HVAC industry because, again, Mother Nature, she's an opponent that fight back, that fights back every time. This is kind of a, a nice segue into another question I'd like to talk to you about. And that is the fact that, you know, HVAC has been, traditionally been a very male dominated industry. And now there are more and more women getting involved 
in the industry. And, you know, since you've been doing this for as long as you have, like what type of changes have you seen over the years? You're absolutely correct. There's a lot of women who's who are coming to this industry and quite honestly, they make missions than some men. And the reason for that is they carry humility into the service call. They carry patience into the service call and they will look at things from a completely different perspective than what a man would not knocking either one. But my whole point is they're a lot more patient than we are. And they pick up on things that men don't. And I enjoy having women in my class because they tend to push me harder than what a male does in class. Their questions are spot on. They're really good. Um, so I, I welcome more and more women. And we need more women in this industry because they are completely awesome technicians. And I've worked with quite a few of them. I really enjoy teaching and then learning as much from them as they learn from me. That's such a, that's such a refreshing viewpoint to hear. Yeah. I'd like to point out, we, we did not pay you or coerce you in any way to say this. Uh, No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you didn't. But it, you know, the truth is the truth and and that's what that is. And one of my story times, everybody likes a story time with Kyle. That's a famous thing that happens. <laughs> it's known across the country. <laughs> it's a statement that everyone knows. So I go to a particular state where our headquarters is um, stationed at. And I didn't know I was going to the headquarters until the last minute we pull in the parking lot and I go, we're at the main place to go. Yep. This is where you're doing the class. I appreciate the heads up. Thank you. (laughs) But there were three ladies in that class. And at that particular time, I had never instructed a class with ladies in it. And when I walked out of that class, my mind was completely changed. I'm like, they asked some of the most intelligent questions that I'm going to go back and I'm going to research what their thought process was because it was completely awesome the way they viewed a service call. And I have implemented that in a lot of my training to teach everybody. So that was my first time ever doing that. And for an old guy like me, you know, it's, it was kind of strange, but at the end of the class, I was like, Oh yeah, this is good. (laughs) I like this. Awesome. I bet that was a great feeling. It was. It's the endorphins that you get. When you're standing up there and you're teaching people and you look in their eyes and you see the light bulbs going off, that is an an endorphin rush that is, is hard to match. Do you have any pet peeves um, either in the industry or while you're actually training? I do. Um, one of them is, is if someone calls me up and I ask them for a voltage reading and they say it's good. That's not a, <laughs> that, that's not a voltage reading. 
You're looking for a number, right? <laughs> 27.9 is a number. And, and <laughs> nowadays, you have to get down to tenths and hundredths to make sure you got things correct. So whenever I'm on a phone call and someone says, someone tells me the voltage is good. And then I ask, well, what's your gas pressure? It's good. <laughs> and my next question to them, and sometimes I do this to, to actually poke the bear. I say, if everything's good, why are you calling me? <laughs> do you usually get the uh, response that you want after that? I get a response. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. But, Generally, at the end of that response, although they're mad with me, you know, one of my interview questions was, is, is the, is the customer always right? And I immediately answered no. Hmm. And the reason I answered that that way is because of the same reason I carry the distinct, <laughs> another story time real quick, if you don't mind. Go for it. <laughs> I am one of the very few people that's ever got run out of a backyard by a priest. <laughs> what? <laughs> I tried. Going. I try. I tried. Well, he had a, a, a package unit, which is all in one. It sits outside the house and the heat exchanger, which is a component that the gas burners uh, burn up in and, you know, it, it delivers heat to your house. I knew how hard it was going to be to repair this. And I tried to convince him into a new unit and he immediately went to the, well, you just trying to talk me into buying a new unit. I don't need a new unit. I need to fix this one. Well, during the process of fixing this completely apart and there were parts everywhere, but I have a method to my madness. So I knew what everything was doing. He came out there and said, you don't know what you're doing. Look at all these parts laying around. I said, and I won't say his name. I said, sir, <laughs> I warned you that this was going to be a very labor intensive repair. And even at the end of the repair, it might not work. Well, it don't look like you know what you're doing. No I more said, than he does. <laughs> and I made the mistake of saying opinions vary. Oh. And that was the downfall of that conversation. <laughs> Run me out of the backyard. My my boss at the time came there, looked at the priest and said the same thing. We wound up putting a new unit in there. <laughs> so, uh, Luckily, he wasted a lot of your time first. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But, it, you know, it was fun. It was it was unique. And come to find years, come to find out. That was the same priest that married my one of my older brothers to one of his wives. <laughs> oh, geez. So for anybody who's never lived in a small town, you, you get a, a, an understanding about what it's like. <laughs> oh, so when he married my brother, he, when he married my brother, he looked at me and I'm pretty sure I was not on his Christmas card list. That's pretty much a fact. You should have said like something like, so you look very comfortable or something like really kind of snotty that didn't come out right. <laughs> no, I, it, it was my brother saying I backed off. Believe you me, my <laughs> tongue was, my tongue was bleeding at the end of that. <laughs> you could have been so much sassier, truly. <laughs> oh, there's just a touch of that in me. <laughs> it's a little bit. <laughs> All right. Um, 
so Kyle has a son who is really great. And then we're not going to talk too much about this, about his son, but I do want to ask you, since you are the first person we've talked to that actually has children, what are some career types of advice that you would like to share with him or, you know, our, our listeners? So I'm not sure. Did that make sense? That question? It makes perfect sense. And I have a great answer for that. And it was a proud father moment. He wants to be an engineer. Um, so he asked me, could I teach him Ohm's law? Ohm's law is, you know, how electricity reacts in different situations. Sounds like a yoga move. It was something. So I am sitting in my office upstairs and I put the Ohm's law and I start walking through and doing this. And lo and behold, before I could get to the next formula, he'd already beat me to it. He said, but daddy, can't you do it this way? (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, well, you're almost 11 years old and you know, surpass me. So let me put you in touch with somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, he's, you know, when a, when a child is willing to lay an Xbox down to learn something that's like big. that, that that's huge. So I took the time to do that and he was, he was very interested in it. So, you know, I, I, I would love to someday be able to encourage parents that when their children ask them something, stop and do it if it's baking a cake doing ohm's law or how to carve a tree into a garth brooks statue teach them how to do it (laughs) um what about for parents who don't know how to do those things you have any advice for those kids for those people i do um make sure you do thorough research don't just depend on one particular internet medium to teach you everything because I've, I've watched some of those and I watched one the other day and he had the terminology all wrong. He came up with the right answer, but he did it by luck. And if a parent's child comes up and asks them a question or a career path, they don't know then I would encourage them to do plenty of research. Make sure you get the story. Reach out to people. My former boss here in Lugoff, he would be glad to talk to a kid and tell them, hey, this is what it is. But we have to learn to make sure they understand that without thorough research, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. Make sure you get two, three, and four different pieces of information before you formulate a plan to go to your child and then help them with their idea. I think that's such a, that's such great advice. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. Now, if sometimes we could get our parents to learn the same lesson, that would be great too. <laughs> that's a whole nother story in itself <laughs> oh, that's a six hour interview and <laughs> Bless we don't have time for that today we, we, we will not go down that rabbit hole 
So I want to circle back real quick to the qualifications. You touched on all of the knowledge that people need to have in order to do kind of what you do or do something in your industry. What are the just, if, if someone's listening to this and says, that's me, that's what I want to do. How do they need to get started? Are there certification programs they need to go through? Um, do they need to go through a program for, you know, plumbing and electricity and carpentry, or is there a, a one-stop program? The technical school that I went to was a one-stop. Okay. And so they understood what it took. And I had three great instructors. Um, How long were you there? Two years. I got a, I got an associate's degree from there, and like I said I got out with a three point two GPR on that. Math your, ki- math killed me. What was your area and, of study like? What's the what do they tell the tech school that they want? <laughs> climate control technology. Okay, awesome. Two years climate control technology, and then will they be set from there? Are there certain personality traits that they need to have? And can you walk out of school and into a job? Yes and no. All right. So let's go the yes route first. (laughs) Okay. If you really put your heart and soul into it and listen to what everything they got to say, the math courses, because the Ohm's law that I mentioned, you have to be able to do certain math. And with the complicated equipment we got out here today, there's all kind of inverters and things that change over. So you have to be good at math. But, you know, you also, I can't stress enough, you have to be humble and open-minded when you do this. So the qualifications to me of a good HVAC tech, they would need to go to a good certified school that has a well-rounded program. In other words, I even had to take English to write letters and stuff. Um, I don't think I did too well at that with all the Kyleisms that I have. But <laughs> You use the word well just now instead of good, and that <laughs> is a step above other people. <laughs> uh, well, somebody's learning me something. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, a good, reputable tech school, go through it and learn all the different things. If you're just taking HVAC courses, that's not good. You have to be able to learn to communicate. You have to be able to learn to understand people. You have to learn to be able to do some math. And without those other skills, you're just a guy who could change a part. Mm. And that doesn't do any good. Those particular homeowners have to have faith in you because you're entering into their homes. This is something they work hard for. This is something they buy. They spend, this is the biggest investment of their life. And when you walk into their home to fix something, you need to be well-rounded in a good technical school to me is the only way to do that. Awesome. I completely agree as a, consumer that that's what I would want oh absolutely whoever put in my unit um, and I didn't own the house at that time they did not do it properly and so every single time the season changes I have issues (sighs) and so if I had had somebody who who like had come in here and done who had known what they were supposed to be doing 
I would not have those issues all the time. No, you wouldn't. And, and what I tell young techs that come through the class or, or come to any of my classes is right now, as a technician, HVAC technician or a plumber technician, there's a lot of people who don't want to get their hands dirty. Right now, if you're willing to get your hands dirty, good at what you know, you're going to go a long way. You're going to be able to provide for your family. You're going to have a very comfortable life and you're going to have a satisfying life knowing that you're helping people. To me, at the end of the day, it's not materialistically what you have. It's what you can do for other people. That's such a great attitude. Yes, definitely. So what we're learning from Kyle here is be humble, serve others, and don't mess with priests. (laughs) (laughs) Even if they deserve it. (laughs) I have plenty of other stories, but they're not suitable for this interview. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, I I have some good ones. (laughs) And I... I'm sorry, go on. There's a lot of people that know me when I go, ooh, story time with Kyle in the middle of my class. It it gets fun. (laughs) It it is a colorful conversation. I'll leave it at that. (laughs) I've noticed that it is a pretty colorful group of people that tend to get attracted to this job. It is because it's not glamorous. I mean, uh, when you start this, you're crawling underneath houses. You're sweating. You smell bad. You're dirty. And I, I remember one time when I was standing in the line at a restaurant and uh, a husband and wife were standing and they were going, smelling me going, oh, my God, couldn't he took the time to clean out in here? No, because I got six more calls to go make people happy. If you don't want to smell me, take two steps backwards. <laughs> Right, and without easy solution, without you, they would smell. Oh, absolutely! Exactly. So it's—I tell you—I imagine myself doing anything different. I really couldn't. Well, you're so good at it. I can't imagine you doing anything different either. It's um grinning. I've enjoyed this conversation immensely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so yeah, it's um. It's, I, 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 let me put a thought, and, and I, I know you've heard this before. See, um, try to imagine in your life right now cutting your AC and your heat off and living without it for one year. No. <laughs> and that's where we're at in society. It's not going anywhere, and it's going to be something that's going to be around for a long, long time and teaching technicians how to properly do that is an honor and a privilege. That is a perfect place to start to wrap up. We're reaching the end of our time here. Um, Do you have any final words that you'd like to share, Kyle? Always treat service people with respect and dignity because they're there to help you. Um, and they're there to try to make your family 
more comfortable. So when you get in those times where you're tucking your kids in the bed and you have a very comfortable place to do it in, be thankful there's people out there who are willing to do that for you and not always be a shining light or a rock star. They're wow. just willing to do it because they love what they do. Perfect. Perfect. Last words. Oh, what an honor. Thank you so much, Kyle. It was nice to meet you virtually. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. I, I, I have enjoyed learning more about you and, you know, the stuff that you do and kind of how you got where you are and why you are the way that you are. Awesome. But if you, if you ever need me for anything else, please feel free to reach out. I'm always here. Yes, well, sir. I will let you know in a couple of weeks when I start to install my new thermostat. I'll, let, I'll tell you how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> let me know. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll make a video for you. I think you'll enjoy that. <laughs> All right. Then that sounds good. All right. Thanks, Kyle. All right. Y'all have a wonderful evening. It's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you. Uh-huh. All right. Bye, Kyle. Bye. Hey. Oh, hey. I really enjoyed this guest that you picked. He was awesome. Isn't he great? Yes. And he really could just like narrate books and I would <laughs> listen to them. <laughs> um, what's funny about him is that, I mean, as he mentioned in his interview, he has been, you know, all over the country. He's, and what he did not say is that he has made friends all over the country. Oh, I'm sure. Of course. (laughs) And he, every time I've been anywhere with him where, you know, it's like a collection of people who are from different areas, they always like to pick on him about his accent. Really? (laughs) And the the words that he uses. Just, yep, his Kyleisms and everything. Like, that's also, that's, it's not quite trademarked, but it might as well be. (laughs) Well, the Southern accent is dying, so people need to appreciate and honor it (laughs) exactly exactly but yeah you you can't quite miss the fact that he is definitely southern I think it's really interesting that he not only trains people like how to um like repair and install the machines but he's training other trainers and he's training people to try and make real changes to the system that are going to result in a healthier atmosphere for us exactly yeah that, I think that, that people, blew me away I think people really underestimate how much service people do like I think that mm-hmm. people tend to either not think about it or even sometimes even look down which is clearly not warranted I agree with and you so I'm glad that Kyle was able to come on here and shed some, some real light. And I mean, he's, he's seen it from like several different angles and he's been doing it for a long time. And so, you know what he says, like he, he's a legitimate expert. I promise everyone. I cannot imagine the feeling that he described of his light bulb moment when he knew like, this is for me. This is what I want to do. I, I have not felt that. I've been very happy in different things, but what he described sounds amazing. I know. I, it's, it's, 
it is kind of hard to believe that that is something that you can like, cause it's, when you hear him talk about it, it's not a job. It's a purpose. Mm-hmm. And there are people who do have the ability to transform their purpose into a career, but that's also mm-hmm. you, not really something that you hear very often. Most people are like you and me where it's just kind of like, well, you know, I guess I'm going over here now. <laughs> oh, you yeah. want to pay me money? Okay, I'll be there. I never intended to get into the field that I'm in. It just seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> the thing that I always think is so funny about us is that I was the one that used to work with children. Yeah, and now <laughs> not so much. <laughs> no. No, we definitely like took a nice little switch there. Yeah. Well, okay, let's wrap this up. Um, I think it's time to bring in the trees. Let's bring them in into the nice cold AC. Ah. <sighs>